0: back to four down territory we have another great episode for you keeping the streak rolling we are going to continue part two of big bet we're going to go through the AFC north and south uh, projected win totals we're going to go over or under have a little debate there we have a interview with Anna Kaiser who is the baseball communications coordinator for the Indianapolis Indians
1: triple a affiliate of the pittsburgh pirates
0: while the minor league has been canceled uh there is projected to be some mlb so we had a lot of fun getting some of her insights on what to expect these next couple months but without further ado let's dive back into big bet you guys afc north and afc south this week uh afc north these are the projected win totals as per william hill our good friend bill um Ravens projected 11.5 wins the Steelers nine wins Browns 8.5 and Bengals at 5.5 guys let's start with the Ravens 11.5 what do we think
1: I think the overs almost is one of the easiest picks we've made so far
0: yeah we can all agree on the over right there's nobody that objects to that
2: Baltimore has a very very favorable schedule and just talent-wise, it's not anything worse than a 12-win team. I think anything less than 12 wins would kind of be a disappointment.
1: Oh, yeah. This, this yeah. is a 14-win team from the past season coming in with, with a chip on their shoulder.
2: Oh, yeah. That's the thing is that early exit to the Titans, I don't know. I, I think obviously there's so much more left in the tank with that team. I think you're going to see – maybe the NFL isn't ready for it, but you're going to see an even more fired-up Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's they're what ready. I'm looking forward to. They're, they're hungry. Mm-hmm. I look at their schedule. And for me, it's like you look at the teams that would probably give them the most trouble, Kansas city. That's a home game in Baltimore. They do go on the road against new England, but you know, say what you want about the Patriots. They, they do get a rematch with Tennessee at home. And then depending on how you view the Cowboys, they do have a matchup with Dallas at home. But again, those are Four games I mentioned that there's even a chance, like on paper, they might lose.
3: Right? Um, I would do we think they're going to I didn't lose. say the, a
1: road against the Colts as well, but I might be slightly biased there.
3: Mm-hmm. I I gave them the over myself. Uh, the the three challenges they have to me really um, and and games that I I think they end up losing is versus Kansas City in Week Three. It's going to be a really really good matchup, but I think uh, Mahomes and the boys are going to have the edge there uh i i gave them actually um n- not against any of those other challenges but i gave them a loss first tennessee the team that they lost to in the playoffs last year and um i think surprising um i gave them a split against pittsburgh pittsburgh will see them twice um i think heinzfield's an tr- incredibly tough place to play baltimore and pittsburgh is always a very very like um challenging game Mike Tomlin is a great defensive coach so he'll have something planned for Lamar Jackson Um, and and Tomlin and Harbaugh is very much one of I think the best coaching matchups that you can get in the NFL today Um, and I think I think Tomlin's going to get the edge uh, in one of those uh, meetups so uh, I got him 13 and three losses against Tennessee Pittsburgh and Kansas City
0: that's fair I think it, it is important to note too, that they, they lost Marshall Yanda who has been a staple of that offensive line for years now and Iowa grad, not to mm-hmm. flex, but mm-hmm. um, that would, that will be a big loss. But just looking at some guys that they added, Calais uh, Campbell on the defensive line, I think that is going to be huge for them and a great get from Jacksonville um, and DJ Fluker on the offensive line. It will not replace Yanda, but I think it does beef them up a little bit. And Lamar Jackson is the most mobile quarterback in the NFL. I think they're going to stay put, um, maybe lose one more game than last year, but I definitely do not think they're going to lose three more
1: games than last year. Um, That's just me. As long as the Madden curse doesn't strike. True. Last year, it definitely did not because Pat Mahomes won a Super Bowl. They're going to be just fine.
2: And like moving towards Pittsburgh, the over under for wins was nine. I had him at the under, and this is where I think Hank and I are going to reach disagreement. I, I just think there's a lot of factors at play where this, this isn't going to be that great of a Steelers team. I had the under. I'm having them right around the six wins or so.
3: You're just, you're just dumb. I, all the injury problems that they had last season, Ben Roethlisberger, yes, he's not the same guy that he used to be, but he's still like a tier two quarterback in the NFL. You have James Conner healthy. You have Juju Smith Schuster healthy. And their defense is great too. You have Minka Fitzpatrick in the secondary. Um TJ Watt, who is arguably a defensive player of the year candidate. Um, and then Devin Bush was a great addition last year too at the middle linebacker position. This is to me a complete football team Uh, and Mike Tomlin is one of the greatest defensive minds in the game today too so that defense is always going to compete I really really think that you if if they don't get hit with the injury bug this year that this is a team that's going to compete Pittsburgh is just always a team that competes there's there's never a season like even seasons where you think that they're out last year, like you would have thought that they would have done so much worse, but with Mason Rudolph and um, I like just a revolving door at quarterback last year, they still won like six or seven games or something like that. So um, I I really think I have them at the over. I gave them 10 and six. Um, I gave them second place in the, in the North losses against Tennessee, Philly, Baltimore, Dallas, and Buffalo and Indianapolis. I I really think that this is is a team that can compete and probably be the second wild card in the AFC this year. I wouldn't be surprised if
1: you're right, but I had them right around the nine-win mark, which is what their over-under is at, but my gut just tells me they're not a double-digit win team right now because you can't count on everyone being healthy all season. And like you said, Ben Roethlisberger is not the uh, same quarterback he was. I can see the, the, the Browns and Bengals winning a couple over them. I can see the, the uh, Ravens taking both from them. My gut feeling is that's not a, a 10-win team.
0: And, and Steelers are tough because, uh, like you alluded to earlier, Hank, they don't tank. I can't remember the last time that the Steelers have been, you know, at the bottom consistently, you know, trying to get draft picks or do anything like that. They always compete. But like Pete said, I I think that the Steelers have a way of getting themselves into very close games. I think they they will win and they will surprise some people. But at the end of the day, I I don't see them you know making any huge jumps from last year. Last year they had eight wins. Um, they re-signed Bud Dupree. They got another weapon in Eric Ebron, who I think was great for Indianapolis when he can stay healthy too. They added Derek Watt at fullback. Fullback is a very I think underrated position in the NFL, it's being phased out in many regards. Everybody has, you know, their own take on that. But I think the Steelers at nine wins is, is just about accurate. I think that's what, what I would give them. And they're one of those teams where you, you know, if we have to pick the over or the under, I'm going to take the over just because I like what the Steelers have done. And injuries being considered. I think with a fully healthy team, they're capable of winning around nine games. And if I have to pick the over or the under, I'm taking the over.
3: So, me, Pete, and Kiefer both have them hovering around 9, 10 wins. Adam, how many, how many wins you got them at?
2: I have them sitting right around 6 wins. I thought about bumping them up. There were a few games where maybe 7 to 8. But, again, this is not the same Pittsburgh Steelers team as it was a few years ago when it was a healthy Ben Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell. It's essentially – the Kmart blue light special of what those teams were. I think the Eric Ebron addition was better than people think. Ebron is a very solid tight end. I wanted the Packers to go after him in free agency. Um, But he still doesn't fix the rest of the holes in this team. Yes, James Conner is a promising running back. He's no Le'Veon Bell. I just think that this team is still grasping at its identity of being the Steel Curtain, a championship contender but it's just not there.
0: I think I think their defense will carry most of that team, but I think their offense is good enough to break even at around 500 and potentially a little bit more than that, and that's why I had nine.
3: Another potentially interesting team to talk about, I don't think the last team in the North will be – very interesting to talk about i think we're probably all pretty much on the same page as far as the Bengals go um but let's talk a little bit about the cleveland browns i have them hitting the under in the north at seven and nine i think every single year they try and do something um obviously they had a very very promising off season two seasons ago now they're had to do hard knocks which any team going through hard knocks is like that's just a tough beat so um this offseason, I, I imagine like they're fostering relationships a little bit better. I think that locker room's going to be a little bit better this season. But there's still a lot of egos on that team. There was questions about whether they were going to trade OBJ this offseason. I wouldn't be surprised to see that trickle into the season, that storyline of is this team really attached to OBJ. Um, there's just always something that is, seems to be affecting Cleveland that isn't really necessarily on the field related. And Cleveland has this way of letting that affect their play on the field. I feel like unlike any other team in the NFL. So I have them seven and nine, the under uh, losses against Baltimore, Dallas, Indianapolis, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Philadelphia, Tennessee, Baltimore, again, and Pittsburgh again at the end of the season. I have just never understood the Browns hype straight up.
1: Like last year or when they got OBJ, people were were calling them super bowl contenders and I didn't think that they they were a playoff team and obviously they weren't. And I still don't think this team is very good. This is straight up. They have pieces with a Baker, OBJ, Miles Garrett obviously, but to say they are an above 500 team, to even say they're a 500 team is a stretch, I think. So it's an easy under for me.
0: I I also took the under in a way that I like to look at the Cleveland Browns, at least of late, is I think the Cleveland Browns are put together in a way like somebody who somewhat knows about football would put together a fantasy team. There's a lot of good individual talent, right? OBJ. Baker, Miles Garrett, those are all super good individual players, but I don't know if they're necessarily a cohesive team yet. They won six games last year. I don't know why their projected win total is now at eight and a half. I don't know why they would win two games more than they did last year. Um, it's an easy under for me, too. I know they added Austin Hooper, um, you know, going to give Baker another target, but there was nothing that we saw last year that would indicate that they're going to get significantly better this year.
1: The fact that they added Kareem Hunt last year goes with your philosophy that it's someone who somewhat knows football.
0: Just adds players they, that have maybe some individual value.
1: Individual talent, but yep. teams just not cohesive.
0: Right. Now, I I will say, I think Nick Chubb is a great running back. I don't think it's necessarily fair, the situation that he's in right now. Um, But, yeah, I just don't see it this year.
2: Hashtag free Nick Chubb. I think that if the Cleveland Browns have any success, it's going to be because of Kevin Stefanski. The Freddie Kitchens experiment was a joke. Freddie Kitchens is not – I mean, I'm not qualified to coach an NFL team, but neither is Freddie Kitchens – and it was on full display last year. I really think that anyone last year who put Super Bowl aspirations or realistic hopes around the Browns' name with Freddie Kitchens as the coach, they need an extra year of dare in school because they're smoking something. The, I think the chemistry is such an issue in Cleveland. You have all these personalities. The talent is there. Like This team on paper should be a 10-win team, but it's not. I have a hard time believing that they sniffed the
3: double-digit win mark, and that's why I've got them at the under.
1: At the end of the day, they are the Cleveland Browns.
3: I do like Baker Mayfield a lot, and I think um, Stefanski could be almost like a QB whisperer to Mayfield. I think we could see a big jump in his play this season. Um, I think if the Browns are going to hit the over, though, all of it lies on Stefanski and Mayfield's shoulders. Like there those are the two guys that are going to have to make it work if they want to win games at the end of the day.
0: I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but there is a timeline where I see Case Keenum actually getting reps for the Cleveland Browns.
3: Yeah, that's a bad take. Well, actually Case Keenum's a great quarterback.
0: I think I think he's he I mean he's, he's, he's not going to take over a franchise, but I I can see a timeline where it gets to the point Baker has like a string of a couple bad games case Keenum gets some reps. I'm not saying that will happen, but it could happen.
3: I I agree. I agree with that. I don't think, I think Stefanski is a guy that's going to trust his guy though. Like I, like I think whoever's the quarterback out of the preseason is just gonna, is gonna have the reins to the offense. The Browns are on such shaky ground already to, to make a quarterback change halfway through the season is just to say this season's over. You don't typically see outside of the Titans last season, you don't typically see a, core, a a team change quarterbacks halfway through the season and have it work out for them. You know? Yeah. Like if you had the wrong guy and then all of a sudden the person behind him, you think is going to be the right guy. Like typically that's just not what happens. Um, right.
0: Which I, I mean, I have the under regardless.
3: Hmm. Um, we're on to Cincinnati. Perfect. Under? Perfect. Under, <laughs> Under? Under anybody? Under. Under.
2: I would love to believe that Joe Burrow can just inject life into that team. And honestly, if there's any quarterback that can't, I think it's him. And granted, one, one year at LSU, he had the best season ever by a quarterback in college The guy has the size, the arm strength, the accuracy. He was dropping dimes against all these SEC teams. I think he's so good, but he still can't fix Cincinnati's problems. There's holes all over the team. Um, I think the Bengals will be competing more with other teams. Like, this isn't going to be a terrible team, but I don't see this team winning more than, you know, four games this year.
3: I agree with that, Adam. I, I actually have them at 4-12. and 12. Adam and I, actually, we did our list together, kind of, and we have them winning the exact same four games. I completely agree. Holes all over the team. A.J. Green's obviously a weapon. Joe Mixon is a weapon. The questions with those two guys is can they stay healthy? Can they stay on the field? Honestly, A.J. Green doesn't even want to be in Cincinnati. So if Joe Burrow doesn't work out, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see A.J. Green get shipped off halfway through the season, um, if there is a season. Um <laughs> I I like I I would really I I really don't think AJ Green is long to be a Cincinnati Bengal. I you just look at that guy on the sidelines last year and he just so clearly is like so done with that that town I, I, and opted to have surgery that ultimately like could have waited. Like he he decided to miss the season last year and then they franchise tag him and I like do does he play this year? I I think it completely depends on what kind of relationship and how much does he trust Joe Burrow. Um, Adam mentioned holes in the, uh, on the team. I, I'm going to say holes in the coaching staff too because they didn't change coaches from last season. I, I don't think Zach Taylor is the guy. Um, I, he's, not, he's not Sean McVay by any means. I don't see it for Cincinnati this year, um, but another draft pick, another chance to get uh, Joe Burrow weapon next season.
1: And one thing I am excited to see from that team is the uh, Joe Burrow T Higgins connection. I want to see what they can do together because that's the best college quarterback in the country. One of the best college receivers in the country. I want to see what they can do in the league. But and that doesn't fix everything. Wearing, he's wearing the eight five of my best friend, Chad. Ochoa. Mm-hmm which means only good things can happen exactly
2: um if we want to move over to the afc south yeah
0: so we have colts at nine titans at eight and a half texans at seven and a half and the jags at four and a half starting at the colts at nine i'm taking the over last year, year they were seven and nine i think they added a lot of good players um I think Philip Rivers has just a little bit left in his tank. I think that's enough to get two more wins. What do you guys think?
3: I completely agree, Kiefer. Um, I this is disgusting to me, but I have Indianapolis at twelve and four, and the division winner in the South losses against Minnesota, Baltimore, Green Bay, and Tennessee. That schedule is just, and I, I ran into this a lot in the South actually, because I didn't want to give any like. Tennessee was the only team that I wanted to give like a decent amount of wins to. Obviously I thought Indianapolis had a chance to be really good too. Also I'm realizing now this makes the conversation for wild card in the AFC very, very interesting. Cause I have Tennessee at 11 and five and finishing second in the South. I have Pittsburgh at 10 and six and finishing second in the North. And we did the AFC East and I had the Bills at um like ten and six and finishing second in the East. So like this wild card is going to be like a really, really interesting race um in the AFC. I'm excited to see how it plays out.
1: Yeah, buckle up. I'm so excited. I have this is the over. I think it's an easy over. Again, might be slightly biased, but like Hank said, when you look at that schedule, there was only one game that that jumps out at me as what will probably be a loss, and that's the uh, Ravens. And then I I do think they uh, split with the Titans, and then Packers and Vikings could be toss-ups. But still, that's a very favorable schedule. They could real statistically start out 7-0 and not even have a challenge there. And high like Keeper said, Phillip Rivers, I'm fully confident, is, still has some in the a tank. The Colts had a great draft, adding Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor to a team that already has T.Y. Hilton and Marlon Mack. And then the uh, addition of duh, Horace Buckner on that defensive line is huge. Chris Ballard, their a GM, has always said he wants to build uh, D line, and he is doing it. Justin Houston, DeForest Buckner, and then you have a linebacker, Darius Leonard, arguably one of the most uh, underrated players right now, rookie of the year, and then Kenny Moore, a great slot slot cornerback. I think they can do a lot there. I'm very excited for what's to come, it's, it's, it's especially with us, a schedule that they have.
3: I agree with everything you just said, Pete, except for one thing. You went and you mentioned Phillip Rivers again. I honestly think you could put anybody at quarterback of this team and they will rattle off 12 wins. You could be quarterbacking the Indianapolis Colts this year. And, well, actually, no, that wouldn't work out. They go 0-16. Hey man, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The quarterback does matter. Um, But I feel like any like starting level talent could game manage this Colts team to, to 10 wins. Easy. Um, Phillip rivers might still have a little bit left in the tank. I think, I still think Jacoby Brissett would have been a better direction to go in at quarterback. Um, But after actually sitting down and looking at the Colts schedule, I just think that there's no way that they, they're just not going to be challenged really this this season at all.
0: You know, Hank, I I do agree with, I, I'm not sure who they would be better off with, Rivers or Brissett. Um, I think Rivers is it's a it's a great value um considering he was leaving. And I do think he still has a little bit left in the tank. I think Rivers was an addition to somewhat add um momentum. Rivers has never, you know, won a title. Rivers has always been chasing that. Chargers, you know, some people think that they're in a position to win right now. I don't necessarily agree with that. But I think Rivers was almost insurance for Brissett after Brissett went down, you know, last year, kind of back and forth with injuries. I think between the two of them, one of them is going to make Indianapolis a playoff team.
1: Phillip Rivers has a ton of experience with that coaching staff. And I think that's what people overlook a lot. He can come in day one, be uh, comfortable with the s- scheme. He uh, worked with Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni in the uh, past. So I think he can just just uh, jump right in and not even miss a beat. And I think that's a big reason of why Chris Ballard wanted to go out and sign Philip Rivers.
0: It's, it's a good value because it's a good fit. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I'm not going to argue that. I've got Indy at the over. I think what's wanted to have been said has been said. <laughs> yep.
0: So then we move on to the, the Titans who could also compete for the AFC South title. They're projected eight and a half. I also had the over four the Titans um, last year. They went nine and seven. I think they had a great year last year, especially that run in the playoffs for them to be projected anything less. Um, is kind of surprising to me. I have a lot of confidence in the Titans this year. I don't think they're going to get worse by any means. What do you guys think?
3: I completely agree, Kiefer. I think out of the four of us, I'm probably the person that's highest on the Titans. Um, I do have them at 11-5 and five, um, and the over. Um, I love Derrick Henry. Obviously, Jarrell Casey's a big loss that they have to fill on the defensive line this year. But I think Mike Rabel is one of the smartest coaches in football. Uh, you saw that last year in their playoff run. And ever since they added Tannehill as, as the starter, got rid of Mariota. Obviously they were still using Mariota in some kind of creative ways there at the end of the season. So we'll see how his losses felt um this season. But um like they were almost using him as like a gadget guy like Tays- Taysom Hill. Um which was interesting to see. I'm high on the Titans. I'm high on Derrick Henry. I'm high on on Mike Rabel and I think um I think that's going to be a, a 11 and 5 team. I really do. Um, again, this is another case where they don't really have a very challenging schedule either. Um, so, um, whether it's 10 wins, it's 11 wins, I think they're hitting the over with relative ease.
2: Yeah, I'm with Henry on that one. Um, I think I had them around 12 and 4, but depending on if they split games with Indy, it's 11 and 5. Same neighborhood. I think. Well, we did. I did to the Titans earlier as non-Super Bowl contenders. I think they're a good football team, and they're good enough to win the AFC South. That's my division winner, um, but it'll be close with Indy. I have Tennessee with the over.
1: I also have, he over there, uh, they uh, just re-upped Derek Henry. He, he's going to be playing with, with confidence. Like Hank said, my, Mike Vrabel's a great coach, and I think that's going to show even more this year. And, yeah, a nine-win team from us the last year, and I don't see them going any farther down.
0: One, one thing that um, I will note, they, they lost a couple of guys who were kind of towards the end of their prime, Deion Lewis and Delaney Walker. If you would have told me that three years ago, I would have, been a, I would have said, you know, that's going to make a huge impact. But Delaney Walker was battling injury. Deion Lewis upset me in fantasy way too many times. I think they'll be okay. And they added Vic Beasley, too.
2: Next up in the division, we got Houston. This kind of kind of hurts to say I have them barely barely hitting the over at eight and eight it's seven and a half I have them at eight and eight I think Bill O'Brien is kind of a fraud as a coach I don't know fraud I, I don't know if I'd go ahead and say fraud Bill O'Brien isn't a great coach I don't get the logic behind trading DeAndre Hopkins for a like three down running back who's been busted up for like a season or two and David Johnson Quality guy when he's healthy, he isn't. Deshaun Watson's a good quarterback, but I just – I don't know. It, I Houston just isn't – you're not supposed to make these picks on if these teams are sexy or not. It's not a sexy team on paper, and I really don't think that it's going to be able to compete for a wild card spot, let alone the division, especially with Indianapolis's talent upgrade and Tennessee's recent success. Again, I have them hitting the over by literally one game. I have them at 8-8, and but they're right on the border of that.
0: And I, I think the Texans are one of the hardest teams to project because of how much their roster has been overhauled. You lose who, in my opinion, DeAndre Hopkins, is the best receiver in the NFL. That's just my opinion. You lose the best receiver in the NFL. They added a lot of guys. Right, David Johnson, who's been busted up. They added Brandon Cooks, who has shown, you know, flashes of being a great receiver. There's there was a lot there was a lot of action on their roster, and that's why it makes it so hard to predict. Um, I do think they still have a fair amount of talent, and Adam, that's why I actually would project eight wins for them as well, which is technically the over by half of a game.
3: I uh, disagree with both of you. I have the Texans hitting the under. I think they have one of the tougher schedules in the South too. I mean they open up against Kansas City, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and Minnesota. I have them starting 0 4 in those games. Like that's like that's a tough way to start, especially with like a, a completely overhauled roster. Uh and then they get Jacksonville and then they get hit with Tennessee and Green Bay right after Jacksonville too, which are both losses. Like 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 clear cut losses too. Like these are not like teams that they're gonna compete with. So so they're starting six one and six. Um and then they get Jacksonville again before a bye. And then they hit Cleveland and New England. So like like they just keep getting punched and punched. I have them five and eleven hitting the under. Um I'm not impressed with any of the moves that they made this offseason. Obviously they still have some semblance of a defense but Brandon Cooks has not been the same wide receiver since he got knocked out in the Super Bowl against the Eagles, which was one of the toughest things to watch. Will Fuller, I think, is their best weapon on the offense right now. I don't know if they even retained him, uh, but, but Will Fuller, I think, is one of the most underrated receivers in the NFL right now. I think if I was uh, Deshaun Watson, I would be extremely, extremely disappointed with the way that Bill O'Brien handed this offseason. And I'd be extremely disappointed with ownership who instead of firing Bill O'Brien like they should have after they gave up a 24 point lead against the sheet in one quarter. In one quarter, they did that. The game was even at halftime again. It was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. It was the poorest coaching performance I've ever seen in my life. O'Brien should have gotten fired. Instead, he gets a promotion. He gets to be GM and head coach, and then he immediately shifts off your best player, your best player. He's better than J.J. Watt. He's better than Deshaun Watson. He's the best wide receiver in the game right now, and you traded him for an injury-riddled running back who had one good season, one good season before he got hurt in Arizona. And then Chris Johnson stepped in and did almost as much as David Johnson did in that season where, where he got hurt. Like it's just so embarrassing that the way the Texans were run. And to have any positive like Houston Texans talk on the podcast is really, really throwing me off today because I think we, this is a team we should absolutely be slandering. Bill O'Brien is, like Adam said, and then retracted. He's a fraud. He's awful. Just, de- I,
0: I, I will say this. And again, I only barely have the Texans hit me over by half of a game. I will say this it is a different team. It was a different time. But during the regular season, the Texans beat the Chiefs. Now, playoffs, that, yeah, we know what happened there. But I think the Texans, when they're hot, are a team to watch out for.
3: I mean, the Texans when they were hot last year, when they were a completely different team than they are right now. That was a scary team to see. You saw it in the wild card round against Buffalo who who they were really competing with and we were all high on Buffalo this year. Like really. we think they're a wild card team. I like this overhauled Texans roster, to me there's nothing like how do they get hot? How do they even get hot when they when they get rid of Hopkins? They don't have a, a go-to option anymore on the offense.
1: I also had – this is he under for this team, by the way, just like Hank. You guys said everything, I think. DeAndre Hopkins, moving from DeAndre Hopkins to Will Fuller, not a great move.
0: They're a conundrum. They're going under. They're a conundrum. We'll mm-hmm. we'll really have to wait and see, but I – I really do think I know where we're all headed with the Jags at 4.5. I could be wrong, but I actually took the under. I think the Jags are in a tank year. I think it would be very optimistic to think um, that they'll even make five wins this year. Um, What about you guys?
1: I love Gardner Minshew, but yeah, they are an under team. It's written all over them. Their defense is not the same as it was just a few years ago. They're on the downhill once again. Remember when they made the AFC championship? Mm -hmm. That's like laughable now because this is not a good football team.
0: And I I, I give credit to their defense, which has since been dismantled.
1: Yep. Mm -hmm.
2: To put this into perspective for each of these overrunners we've been doing, I usually go game by game on every team schedule. You can check my notes in my notebook. I literally did not write out the Jaguars schedule. I looked at it on my phone and was like, I legitimately can't see this team winning more than two or three games. And I also think the team isn't trying to win more than two or three games because as much as Gardner Minshew's, like, he's a solid quarterback, but he's not a guy that's going to lead a franchise and be the face of a franchise. There are guys in the NFL draft next year, though, that could be Justin Fields. Trey Lance, Trevor Lawrence, Jacksonville wants one of those guys, and I think Jaguars fans will be fine with another crap season to get a franchise quarterback. I don't know how much you know tanking is legitimate in the NFL, but this Jacksonville team might not have to tank that hard. It's just not a great team on paper,
0: and and I think they they kind of knew that already, right? I think the um, getting rid of Calais Campbell, I think getting rid of AJ Bouye. Jalen Ramsey was already traded. I think they kind of saw this coming anyway. Um, And, you know, obviously we could be wrong because these are all predictions, but I think Jags are probably going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL. I
3: I think any wins they get, they're going to run into by pure luck. And looking at their schedule, I thought there were two teams where they could maybe run into a win. Uh, That is versus Detroit and at, or no, versus Chicago, so both home games. I have Jacksonville winning uh, a home game against Detroit, and then I just think Chicago's like a sad sports town. I don't want to say that Jacksonville will go zero and sixteen. I think they will run into a few wins just out of sheer luck, um, but I do have them. I max two wins and and the under pretty heavily.
0: I I honestly can see I can see the Bengals and the Jags kind of swapping places as far as place in the NFL goes
3: that's a good take that's a good take Kiefer
0: but that's that's it for AFC North and AFC South we're gonna get it uh in stone we're gonna write it in stone we're gonna keep track of these throughout the season assuming a season happens but next episode we are going to have the NFC East and NFC West there you have it folks
2: so today we're joined by our special guest Anna Kaiser. She is the Indianapolis Indians baseball communications coordinator coming to us live from the big city. It's Anna. Thank you for joining us today.
4: Thank you for having me.
2: Of course. Um, if you want to plug your, your Twitter, whatever social media you want so our fans can give you a follow, um, where can they find you?
4: Yeah, for sure. Follow me on Twitter at Kaiser Anna M. Um, That's my main social. That's what I go on all the time. Hit the follow button on that.
2: So, again, Anna, thanks for coming on. Um, We did really want to talk about, so baseball is kind of back. It's back. Um,
4: It is, yeah, kind of. It's getting there.
2: So we want to talk to you a little bit about the MLB because we know you're a diehard Cubs fan. So we (laughs) wanted to hammer that out.
4: Uh Yeah, 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 right, yeah.
2: Just kidding. And a huge St. Louis Cardinals fan, and in turn, we also want to talk to her a little about a little bit about um, minor league baseball because that's what she's in, and that looks a little different than it has in years past. Yeah. Um, so, if you want to start um, in your with your communications coordinator position with Indy, what does a typical day look like for you, and what all your you know your responsibilities include with that role?
4: Yeah, so you want to hear about in season and then kind of what we're doing now, or sure.
2: give give okay. me a typical day and then you can you can let <laughs> <Okay>. us know.
4: <laughs> yeah. So in season, normally our season runs um, just a little bit shorter than the major league season. So from the beginning of April till the end of August, beginning of September. Um, and so normal day for me looks like basically just coordinating all of the. Baseball related items that we will pass out to media and doing like media relations press re- or press releases that type of stuff um, So in game I'm live tweeting. Um, I do lineup sheets for that. I Track our roster transactions. I send out many mass emails a day um, Tracking guys who are going up to Pittsburgh who is our parent affiliate um, down to our other minor league affiliates um, that type of stuff. So it's very game based, very baseball related. And obviously right now there is no baseball and there are no games. So um, for the past couple months when we would have been having a season, I've been doing just a lot of writing and a lot of researching, which is basically what our entire communications department has been doing. So instead of doing press releases and all this stuff, I've been writing the cover stories for our monthly programs. Um, So we're into our last August one now. Um, and then also doing a bunch of research. So we are planning on building out a history site, very similar to the NBA's site, um, just tracking kind of our year-by-year year, all the way back till the early 1930s because we have information on that. Um, so that involves just going through a lot of box scores and picking out dates. If somebody had a three home run game or through seven innings, no hit or something like that, we pull those dates and we're kind of compiling a list that we can use for both that website and different kind of promotions, different in-game um activations and stuff like that going forward
2: cool that's awesome and i also wanted to add this to the beginning too so for our iowa fans of the pod which is probably a good number of people um anna has the iowa connection too she's an iowa native um waverly iowa
4: yes.
2: represent and so anna worked with pete and i at the daily iowan um, we covered football together and anna also covered Uh, wrestling and kind of took that beat and made it her own Um, you also do some stuff for flow wrestling too Mm -hmm. with Iowa first of all that's dope Um, what's been your favorite thing you've written for either flow wrestling or when you're covering Iowa wrestling in general
4: yeah um, hands down my Tom Brands profile um, it's gotten it's gone up for a couple of awards been runner-up I think placed third place at some feature writing competition I don't remember what it was but um, definitely that one just because it really started with me sitting at WrestleOffs and being like just kind of hanging out I wasn't writing a feature really wasn't writing a recap or anything on it I was just kind of getting to know the team and stuff and I saw a couple themes that were also really prevalent in the previous season um, so I kind of took with that and ran with it Interviewed Dan Gable, interviewed Tom Brands for like 45 minutes. Interviewed Terry Brands, who I'd never gotten the chance to talk to before. Um, and basically put all this work into it. It was like 3,000 words. Um, cover of the paper, a design of the cover of the paper. Um, and really, that's just kind of what I keep coming back to when I started writing the covers or my cover stories this year for. Um, indie I actually like the first one I sat down and I was like I don't know how to write this I haven't written a really long form feature story in a while so I went back to that Tom Brands profile and just kind of sat down and read it and I was like okay I know what I'm doing and then that kind of propelled me forward into what I'm doing now
3: what was the most surprising thing at your like your first wrestling meet
4: yeah so actually it wasn't at a meet actually at media day and this is like my favorite Tom Brands story Um, So we're all sitting during his press conference. We're all sitting in that um, area up at Carver. And uh, um, he's yelling at some reporter across the room for me. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm screwed. I don't know what I just got myself into. Like, this dude is intimidating and I am 20 years old. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I can't ask him a dumb question. And so then we go down to the wrestling room and I'm just kind of sitting there trying to figure out who I want to talk to and stuff. And I hear, I see, or I feel a tap on my shoulder and I turn around and it's him. And I'm just sitting standing there like, I like what dumbfounded basically. And he's like, Hey, I just wanted to say hi and make sure everybody's treating you. Okay. And I was like, you just got done yelling at some dude upstairs. Like (laughs) this is terrifying, but it was super cool. And I guess from that moment, I've never really had a connection with a coach like that, where they just come up to me and they're like, Hey, just want to make sure everything's going. Okay. I know you're new. I had like briefly met him a couple weeks before that, Um, so I think that was the moment where I was like, okay, I belong here, and then I got to the meet, and I was like, oh, these guys are intense, and this is awesome, and then it was
1: gone from there.
3: That's very cool. That's a very cool story.
1: How much did the kind of Carver wrestling energy kind of pull you into the beat? Because I know it gets crazy.
4: Yeah, yeah, it's, Awesome and like that's the only way to explain it. Now I grew up in a wrestling town and I went to wrestling meets and I didn't like it. So I don't know what it was about Carver. One thing I have noticed is that the I like the general IQ feeling in that room about wrestling is so much higher than anywhere else. Like I went to a meet at Indiana and I could just feel the energy like sucked out of the room basically because there was just nothing there. You could tell the people like didn't know as much, at least as, as Iowa fans. And so not really in the beginning did I notice that, but at the end when I left and I went somewhere else, then I noticed it. And then, of course, I went back for the Penn State duel this year, and it was just amplified to a million.
3: Um, I'd be remiss if we didn't get into talking about some some baseball. Uh, Opening day, obviously, is going to happen very shortly after this podcast drops. Um, What are your thoughts on the shortened season, um, and do you think that they'll be able to maintain it uh, down the line?
4: Honestly, I'm just glad they're playing at all. Um, it kind of sucks that it's a shortened season um, because it feels to me like baseball fans are so used to having it all summer that it's going to start and then it's going to feel like a week later and then it's going to stop. Mm-hmm. Um, not that it will be a week later, but that that 60 games is just going to go by so quickly because um, that's how it really does go by in the season. Um, I'll be really interested to see if they make it through. Um, personally, I would be shocked if that does happen. But, again, I'd be shocked if, like, the NBA, if NFL starts on time, all of that stuff. Just because you can contain it pretty well right now when you just have your teams together. But once you have teams traveling and you have teams mingling with each other, like baseball like players in all sports, opposing teams mm-hmm. have to, You run into a lot of problems, um, especially with their delays in testing, which I completely understand. They're trying to get right. They're trying to have them be accurate, and that's not going to happen in just two seconds. Um, But I think there are going to be some problems there. Um, I really hope we make it to the World Series. I hope they make it. But I just think so many things could happen between now and then that Mm -hmm. it's really all up in the air.
3: Um, if we do make it to the World Series, if we get to that point, obviously the Cards are probably a lock to win the Central this year. But uh, what what do you see? Do you think they'll they'll be one of those teams in the World Series at at the end of the year, or it's going to be very interesting the way that the the season's built?
4: Yeah. See, the problem with this is that it's only sixty games. Like, let's keep in mind the Pirates finished only a finished the or got to the all-star break and we're only a couple games behind the Cardinals, the pirates finished in last. And I don't even want to know their record, but the Cardinals finished in first and they were probably like 30 games apart. Mm -hmm. But since we're only going basically 60 games, not even to the all-star break, the pirates could win the Royals. Yes, Pete, the Royals who are one of the worst teams in the league could like legitimately make the playoffs or the Marlins or the Orioles. And so me saying like the Dod- oh the Dodgers and the Yankees, hundred percent. That's honestly not going to be it. Like it's going to be some dark horse team against maybe like the Yankees. And so I, I mean, it's exciting, but you also have to think going forward if the Royals do win the World Series, there's going to be an asterisk by it all the time.
3: Mm-hmm. But they
4: won. They won the All Star Break World Series. Like, woohoo! No one cares. Let's move on from it. People do care though, and that's
1: what I'm excited about. The last two years royals have had the number three pick in the draft and the number four pick in the draft bottom five team both years i've always said after the uh, 20 after the 2016 season i think i always said they were making the uh, playoffs in 2021 but with the 60 game season who knows it might go up to uh, 2020.
4: You legitimately can't take the Royals winning the World Like, you could take it seriously, but not, like – Careful. I'm sorry. If the Royals win the World Series, I'm not taking it that seriously. Because, again, they played 60 games. When you play 100 – I guess minor league plays, like, 140. When you play 160 games, so many things happen. And, like, you either peak at the beginning and you fall that second half, or you suck. The first half and you rise to the top the end when you cut it there I think you. Uh, well you give teams an advantage because there's less time for players to get hurt they're not going to get burnt out as easily but also like like I said the Royals would not win the World Series in 2020 if it was 162 games regular season no COVID mm-hmm. all that stuff so there I feel like there has to be there has to be an asterisk next to like everything
3: this season is very much going to be like the Wild West uh Yeah, Like, it's just going to be a shootout. Like, there's Mm -hmm. no no really good way to make a prediction as to what's going to happen.
4: Exactly, which is honestly, it's exciting because, like, every – like, the Cardinals have to – like, they have to win their games against the Royals. They have to win their games against the Cubs because there's no time to make those losses up at the end. Mm -hmm. Like, every game is basically, like, a must win. Whereas in baseball, you take two out of three, cool, awesome. But, like, it's got – like, you have to. That's just mm-hmm. how it goes.
3: It's like the season starting in August.
4: Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And September is hectic as it is with baseball mm-hmm. and everybody racing towards the end. So it's just kind of, yeah, it's going to be really interesting.
3: Minor league baseball got done a little bit dirty by uh, Rob Manfred. And um, I would say the owners are, are partially responsible. Obviously, you there's some things that you probably can't and shouldn't say being a, a baseball communications coordinator um for the indianapolis indians Um, but if you could if i could put you in rob manfred's ear right now what what would you just say to him about uh the way minor league baseball has been handled this offseason
4: i most of my problems with rob manfred and i'm very vocal that i'm not a fan of his um are with the major league baseball side i don't really like obviously he is connected with minor league baseball he has a huge hand in what happens but with me all of my problems with him are from the major league baseball side and obviously some of that stems down to minor league baseball now the cutting teams part is obviously tricky no one really knows what they're going to do so i'm not even going to talk about that more on our like season cancellation um basically we all kind of knew it was coming like, the later it got, we were like, this isn't – like, this – we're not playing. And so, we made plans, which was really good that we made backup plans when our season did officially get canceled. Um, and then it did, and we moved on with those plans. I think the way that Major League Baseball – like, how long Major League Baseball took to, can- to, I guess, implement their season played a huge part in, like, us just sitting there wondering. Cause every day we were like, okay, there's a chance we could play cause we're not canceled yet. But the entire time they kind of knew the taxi squads were a thing. So in the back of our head, we were like, this isn't happening. They just have to make it official. Um, so there were a couple ways that I think it could have been handled better, but also how are you supposed to handle things in the pandemic? Honestly, like nobody knows how to do this. It hasn't been done before. And so they did it the best way they knew how, um, which maybe worked for some people, maybe didn't work for some people, but I mean, we got to where we are now, our season got axed, uh, Major League Baseball is going to start up, so we're just moving forward with outside events and, I guess, doing the best we can until baseball does start up in April 2021.
3: It, it can't come soon enough, really. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know, Pete, you have an impromptu quiz for about Indianapolis. God. <laughs> <Anna>. <laughs> Welcome to my
1: show that I like to call, Are You an Indiana Idiot? Oh no. I'm going to ask you a series of of questions to find out if you're a true Hoosier or not, okay? Yep. This is so good. Can't wait. Can't
4: wait for it. Oh, I'm
1: excited. As (laughs) some of you may know, I am a big fan of the Indianapolis Colts. I don't make it to Indianapolis as often as I would like. I consider it close to me.
4: I have a revision um the day the nba got suspended pete was in indianapolis and that was the last time he was here so
1: so that's helpful that he doesn't
4: come to indianapolis
1: and i still saw the uh, peyton manning
3: statue
4: it was the best part of your trip she's saying i saw
3: you so yeah
4: yeah Yeah. didn't
3: they tear that down no they They missed that in the river they they really should (laughs) (laughs) miss
1: me with that anyways as i was saying For no particular reason other than being a Colts and Pacers fan, I like the state of Indiana. Not quite as much as I love Iowa, but, you know. Are you ready, Anna Marie Kaiser?
4: A little nervous, but, yeah. Oh, you
1: should be. (laughs) Great.
4: I'm going to fail all of this, and I'll have to move.
1: Yeah, you're going to get kicked out. Okay. What is the state bird of Indiana?
4: I'm going to be completely honest with you. I have absolutely no idea. I do know okay. that I was is the finch or the goldfinch, but don't know. Eastern goldfinch or... if you will, but Sure, yeah.
1: I don't know. You should know because it's the northern cardinal. So much for a cardinal. I really I Indiana. really should know that. Oh, for one. Good work, Kaiser.
4: Thank you. Not really.
1: Okay, what is Indiana State Flower? Don't know.
4: I really don't know. I'm trying Peter to think Peter. of like uh yeah, sounds right. I wouldn't know anyway. I was trying to think of like what flowers are outside the state house. Um, cause I live right by there and I wouldn't even have known the name of the flowers. So. Oh, hey,
1: <laughs> the effort was almost there. What was the flower, Pete? We didn't hear the peony. Oh, beautiful. I don't know what that is, but I know it's the state flower of Indiana. I'll tell you that much. Okay. Easy one just to kind of get you on the board. What is Indiana's a state nickname? Who's your state? There you go, one for three, batting three thirty-three. God love it. Hey, that's, that's Hall of
4: Fame numbers.
1: What is the state motto of Indiana?
4: I know this. Crossroads of America.
1: You googled it. I did Google it. Right. You did? Oh my! <laughs> I, totally did, yeah. Yeah, like I did.
4: 10 right 10 there. You can't that. I'm um, yeah. That's like
1: steroids. Sorry, I'm out of the Hall of Fame. I'm counting you at 250 now. One for four. That's
3: fine. Okay. Google answers are not going to help you. <laughs> Just pull the Houston Astros.
1: Okay. <laughs> I need a trash can for that. Let's call it <laughs> up. So, I heard you're a big fan of the Indianapolis 500. I am. How long is the track at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway? What is uh, one track?
4: It is. I know this.
1: You're googling it.
4: No, I'm not. My phone is off.
1: I heard you typing.
4: was <laughs> did it? I was. I literally wasn't typing. Um, it's like two ish miles.
1: Two point five miles. I'll give you a half point.
4: Thank you. I said okay. two ish, so I should get a. What is its out. nickname? What is, what's nickname? The
1: Indianapolis Motor Speedway. IMS.
4: And? I don't know. Why are you guys mouthing the answers? Brickyard. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Okay. I did know that, but I, it's, yeah.
1: Okay. And two more questions. Who is the best shooting guard in the state of Indiana? Like currently? Mm-hmm.
4: Is Victor Oladipo a shooting guard?
1: Yep <laughs> great answer. great answer. It's a really
4: good thing it was him because like I know other names, but not at <laughs> the top of my head like
1: that huh. Anna was at the game that Victor Oladipo
4: – yeah, I was really really hoping at. really really hoping that wasn't going to be brought up. It was my first ever nBA game actually I don't think and I've,
1: I don't think I've let you since, you since then.
2: You haven't because
4: I wasn't allowed to go to the first game where he came back. How yeah. we, How is
2: this not the first thing we talked about? So, <laughs> like, have you apologized to Victor Oladipo? I
4: have not. No. You've
2: apologized to I've
4: apologized to Pete a lot. Which means it, a lot. But not Dang. to Victor Oladipo personally. I would take this. If he ever listens to this, I am so, <laughs> so sorry for causing your injury by attending my first ever NBA game at Bankers Life. Victor Oladipo, thank you for your time.
3: Anna Kaiser, Victor Oladipo, apologist.
1: One more. Who is yes. the
3: best quarterback
1: to ever play football who resided in the state of Indiana?
4: Peyton Manning. You're lucky you said resided in the state of Indiana because I was going to pull an Aaron Rodgers right out for you.
1: That would just be factually incorrect.
4: <laughs> okay.
1: I. Uh, you, I you are not – you're an Indiana idiot. Congratulations. Thank, Thank
3: you. I actually have one question uh, to add. Yes. Um, between Paul George, Bobby Knight, and Peyton Manning, uh, who's the most iconic Indiana sports personality of all time?
4: You're talking to me? Yeah. Uh, Peyton Manning.
3: Oh, God, no. The, be,
4: the reason don't I don't answer that, that is because Manning. I know who Paul George and the other person is, but not as well as I know Peyton Manning. Uh,
3: Bobby so, well, George Bobby, is a Bobby Bobby
1: snake, is. and Peyton Manning is a goat. Thank yeah, you pa- It's got
4: to be Peyton Manning. I'm sorry. Well, there, there's
2: Manning. no mention of Reggie Miller. In Actually, hold thing. on,
4: hold on, hold on. Scott Rowland did originate in Indiana. So, and he is a Cardinals possible future Hall of Famer, who I interviewed. Well,
3: so we've already gotten into uh, a little bit of the uh, AFC South a little bit earlier in the episode when we did our Big Bet segment. But know, um, I just got got to get your opinion when the Packers play the Colts this this season. What do you think? Um, what do you think is the outcome of that game?
4: Uh, Packers win, hundred uh, percent. By how much? I'm not good at this. In, like, um, well, touchdowns. let's think about it. Let's think about it. Um, oh yeah, a few touchdowns at least. It's not going to be close.
1: Yeah, it's not going to be close because the Colts are going to be blowing them out.
4: Uh, there's not even there's not even a chance of that happening
2: um so you know kind of switching gears a little bit back to baseball. do you think the Cardinals have a legitimate shot at a World Series appearance this year, and if so or if not, or like what what has to be done to get to that point
4: yeah um I think so um I think that the This situation benefits them a lot because they have a lot of young prospects who are very, very good, mainly Dylan Carlson, basically MLB ready right now, Um, but in a 162-game season, I don't know that at least this year he would break through Um, because, again, in a 162-game season, it's not as important to win every game. Um, He's on the taxi squad. I believe he's in big league camp right now. Uh, He definitely actually is in big league camp right now. Um, with the 30-man roster at the beginning, definite shot. I think they're going to have some bullpen problems because some guys have gotten hurt. Some guys got hurt in spring training that are still kind of rehabbing back. But honestly, I think they will because they do have Jack Flaherty who had, like, just over a one ERA um, in the second half of the season last year. If he can repeat that, he's going to be insane and a legitimate Cy Young contender. You have Molina who's aging. His bats not where it is. Um, But, like, when he's behind the plate, he can anchor those guys. Um, You've got young names like Tommy Edmond coming up um, who can play third base. Especially the DH in the NL, you can really make your defense a lot better while still having your hitters. So, like, Matt Carpenter is one name who his glove isn't really great, but, like, you need his bat in the lineup every day. And he had an off year last year, but two years ago he was amazing. Um, He really went off in July and – So I think like having Edmund at third and then maybe Carpenter as a DH, like that's your dream scenario. And they're in a spot where they can really take advantage of that DH. Um, And then also looking at the central, like the Cubs are fine. I'm really interested to see like how Ross is going to do as a manager, but they're not the best team in the NL. Um, The Reds are probably going (laughs) to be – no, like not at all. In the NL central, it's going to probably be the Reds and the Cardinals – um that are fighting and like the reds are basically always good on paper but they're never good on the field. Brewers like, The Brewers are boring. <laughs> like they were really good but like they're not they're not the Cubs who you hate, they're not the Reds who are just like it's just the Brewers and like they're never outstanding, they're never really but- terrible. My pre- okay, my NL Central pred- predictions would be Cardinals at the top, Reds, Cubs, Brewers and then Pirates.
3: The Cubs above the Brewers?
4: I mean, s- swap them. Who cares? They're the middle of the pack. They're not going to make the playoffs.
3: Ah, uh, no, I disagree. I completely disagree. I think they're. I think there's a second spot in the Central, and um, I, for
4: the Reds, the Cardinals, and the Reds, and then no, the Brewers and the Cubs can fight it out for the bottom. Cards the bottom, and the Brewers. The Brewers
3: have the best offseason acquisition, Brock Holt. Come on.
4: You're biased. <laughs> That's
3: Plus Christian Yelich is MVP is an MVP candidate okay. every year. So I,
4: I think Christian Yelich if he's healthy makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, can't win a championship with one guy. True. It's just not it's true.
3: Their rotation's never really there either. So yeah. um I, I, I do think I do think they have one of the best offensive teams in baseball though, especially when Yelich is healthy. So yeah. Um, and I th- think just being an offensive team can get you through. These first sixty games, like we said, it's going to be a, yeah. a wild west. So really, we don't know what what exactly is going to happen. Yeah. But if I I would have the Cardinals and the Brewers at the top of the Central.
4: As long are, as the Cardinals are there, I really don't
3: care. I, I would have I Cards like number one at, by like a long. Like, I
4: do. Stretch. Like I, I think, do think that getting past the Dodgers in a NLCS or something like that, whatever mm-hmm. they decide to do with, play, I haven't even seen a playoff format. Whatever they do with that, that's going to be really tough. I
3: yeah, Jock Jack um, always causes you guys trouble.
4: <laughs> yeah. Um, I just think that that's a team that's built to win every single game. I don't think they're a team that's built to go 162 games and then not lose to the Nationals in the NLDS. Like, mm-hmm. they're going to lose out at some point. But I think that's a team that you give them 60 games, all right, we'll go win them all. Like, that's just going to be their mentality. And so I think getting past them this year is going to be really difficult. But, again, it's a dark horse season. Realistically, mm-hmm. the Pirates can make it, like the Royals, the Orioles.
3: Mm-hmm. I, I mean, the Dodgers aren't at full strength. I mean, David Price opted out of the season. Obviously, David Price is in the same pitcher that he used mm-hmm. to be. Over a 60-game stretch, he could have probably been pretty dominant. But um, when you –
4: Hey, they got Mookie Betts. They could do anything.
3: Yeah. Let's not talk about that name. He'll be back in a Red Sox uniform next year. I was really hoping he'd opt out of this season.
4: (laughs) You and all the other Red Sox fans were.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Anna, big thanks for hopping on the pod. Again, where can our listeners find you on Twitter?
4: At Kaiser Anna M. That is K-A-Y-S-E-R-A-N-N-A-M.
2: Fantastic. German. Backwards on Twitter.
4: Let's not go there. (laughs)
2: What the hell?